This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, The Business Station? 9.36 a.m. Good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Philip C. and Mark Tan. Uh, it is Friday, as I like to call it, Friday the 16th of June. And this is WTF, or What's the Focus? Our roundup show of the week's top stories and any other news tidbits that you may have missed. You know, we'll throw them into a mix. It's like a trail mix, that kacang campur, you know. you've got. I lots like of- macadamia nuts and pistachios, honestly, in my trail mix. Okay. How about you? Okay, sure. We'll have the expensive nuts in there. Why not? You know, along with the peanuts and the kacang hijau and... No. Oh, no, sorry. No, no kacang hijau. What are you talking about? <laughs> Wrong trail mix. But in any case, uh, let's start with this uh, story that came out, I think, a, a day or two ago, which I found really interesting because inflation in Sweden, we're going all the way to Sweden for this story, it remained high in May at 8.2%. And this was higher than expected by economists. What's interesting is there was a single event that actually um, caused this elevated inflation and you'll never guess what it is. I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what it is. Tell the, tell our good listeners what it is. Well, it just goes to show that now Beyonce, she runs the world. <laughs> right? She runs the world She indeed. runs the world, right. Because many people are crazily in love with her because of this surge in accommodation of these people visiting her Sweden for the concerts. That's why you're seeing rise in prices. I, I like how you uh, slipped in two of her songs in that comment, Phil. But that's right. She kick-started her international tour in Stockholm. She had a concert for two nights. And because of that, there was just a flurry of tourism into the city uh, of people from overseas, particularly mm-hmm. from the US, taking advantage of the uh, kroner, of the wheat kroner. They came there and that really was what kept um, prices high during the month of May. So now the question we turn to is Bruce Springsteen, formerly known as The Boss, is also due to play three shows in the same Swedish city of Gothenburg later this month. Which could Does he have the same Beyonce effect in terms of pushing up the prices in inflation? We'll find out soon. Well, the question is whether there will be a halo effect, right, when all these concerts do take place. It really gives me a, you know, food for thought here when your currency is weak, right? You become a very interesting inbound tourism destination. And so with Ringgit also being structurally weak as well, is this an opportunity for us also to attract perhaps some Singaporeans to come over to enjoy our concerts? But it's hard to get concerts here, isn't it? Because the classic example was Coldplay, where recently there was this whole spate of new additional dates given, but nothing in KL. That's right. I think when it first came out, there was so much excitement for it. There were calls for um, more concert dates to be added to the Kuala Lumpur tour, but uh, none here. However, Singapore has four dates, exactly, which has everyone you know, just asking, why weren't we able to secure more concert dates? Uh, because, of course, it would be more affordable for people in Malaysia to go see a concert in Malaysia rather than travel to Singapore where the exchange rate is so much higher. Um, and I guess given the example of Sweden, you know, what are we losing out on when we don't, uh, I guess, capitalize on these big acts that are coming to the region? Yeah, I think that's the disappointing thing. I, I can imagine that perhaps they did consider Malaysia, but there was so much political Fraka and Bruhaha over the Coldplay concerts. I mean, if I was any organizer, 
or musician, why would I want to risk, you know, creating so much controversy then? Indeed. So I think that's something for policymakers to consider as well. What is it? What kind of what kind of viewpoint or what kind of uh, impression are we giving to the international stage and international acts? Well, I suppose you know the reality of it is Coldplay tickets are probably more expensive in Singapore. So as the British band will make more money having four concerts over in Singapore rather than here in Malaysia. Well, let's hope we don't have this conversation. It doesn't become deja vu. I'm just thinking, you know, Beyonce so has increased inflation in Sweden. I'm wondering what would happen if Taylor Swift were to take her concert uh, on, you know, overseas. Uh, I'd be curious to see any effects on that. It'd be very interesting what kind of uh, inflation that will create because, you know, there are different customer segments as a whole. So do you see a different form of inflation, right? Does it hit certain things like, I don't know, such a ripe, uh, such a ripe area for study. Yes, <laughs> I hope we have I more conversations so. <laughs> on this. Uh, but let's turn our attention over from Sweden. We're heading over to the UK. So we did begin the week with news about the shock resignation of former UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson as a member of Parliament. Uh, and for Bojo, unfortunately, the week has not gotten any better because uh, this week, just yesterday, the House of Commons. The House of Commons Privileges Committee, they published their report uh, on the party gate situation um, over the COVID-19 pandemic. And that uh, that really wasn't a good look for so, Bojo. Yeah. So let's look at the party gate in perspective. So during the MCO lockdown. in Not the, MCO oh, sorry, for, for, I mean. Not, call it MCO, <laughs> the, but during the their own UK pandemic MCO. lockdown. Okay, <laughs> right. So in the year of 2020, it's been reported that Bojo had 18 parties when everybody was supposed to be safely locked at home. And those parties include not only just his own personal birthday party, but obviously Christmas parties that were held uh, in the in the Conservative Party HQ and having Christmas cruises. I think the question here is: Look, these are very damning, damning, you know, ac- accusations and report against Boris Johnson. He is a Teflon leader. Is this so damaging to the point that his political career is over? That's the question in my mind because he's coming out fighting, right? Because he had cited this report a week ago, and he that's why he relinquished his seat. But there's also an underlying issue here as well, where his current allies in the Houses of Parliament were also due to get some peerage, but apparently Rishi Sunak didn't want to accede to the request. So there's already some political infighting in the Tory party going forward. And they're not popular in the first place, according to polls. Can we, if we take a look at what the committee found, why this was seen as so shocking, I suppose. The committee uh, found that um, Boris Johnson lied to MPs with his denials about the parties that took place in Downing Street during the lockdown. Yeah. Um, and he also, um, uh, he there was another, he had repeated contempts of parliament were committed. So the uh, committee was found that um, he uh, also... In addition to deliberately misleading MPs, he was also found to be complicit in a campaign of abuse and attempted intimidation against the committee. I mean, these are all very serious allegations. Very serious allegations. And and the question in my mind is, does it stick, right? Do these allegations stick to the person's reputation? Because when you see what happened in the United States, that doesn't seem to be the case. That's exactly the parallel that I was going to raise. You know, the fact that also President Trump in the US is facing his own very serious allegations of um, of obstruction of justice and of you know of holding on to important yeah. information. So a, a quick poll was done over in the United States. The Quinnipiac University did a little quick poll, and the popularity of Donald Trump has actually increased after this uh, facing the indictment charges, and he even raised more funds. You know, um, so this Go guy figure, is like right? Teflon, man. Yeah. Like what you rightfully say, Philip, he is Mister Teflon. So will Boris Johnson also have will that? 
Teflon Sheen also apply to him? Because again, he's had many controversies in the past. He's always managed to come up swinging somehow. Um, he has stepped down as an MP. Is he going to run again when, yeah. during the next elections? I think the question, as you said, Phil, is this is this going to end his political career? And so what's interesting here is that the UK has a parliamentary system. Of course, the Conservative Party, you know, if they want to become a Conservative leader, you have to go through up the ranks fundamentally. But there is also, if you recall, when they vote for the U, U Tory leaders, there's also the voter base, right, that goes to support. And if you reflect, last time, Rishi Sunak didn't get the majority of the support. It was actually Liz Truss that had the support of the Conservative voter base. So it's you cannot you cannot count this man out. Indeed. So following the resignation of Boris Johnson, the by-election for the parliamentary constituency of Uxbridge and South Ruslip will take place very quickly next month on Thursday, 20th July. So it'll be a real, real litmus test on how the Conservative Party will do. All right, something to keep an eye on for sure. Maybe we can uh, quickly look at a story coming out of China, I think, and uh, related to electric vehicles. We did have a whole discussion earlier with Tansri Dr. Jamila Mahmoud on the green economy. Um, what's the news on electric vehicles, I Mark? was about to ask you all, you know, which country is the largest producer of cars in the world, the largest exporter, the largest new car market, and the largest EV car market in the world? Oh, jawapan bocho. I said jawapan bocho, <laughs> leakage like an SPM paper, right? Oh. It was China. It's all this is China. So, you know, it comes as no surprise that BYD has overtaken uh, Elon Musk's Tesla in China. But what's surprising is that it has also taken number one spot in Singapore. So BYD in its export markets are slowly taking market share away from Elon Musk. Do you, I think, mean, yeah, do you think they've done a good job in terms of targeting the upper, the, the right segment you know, who is on the verge of electrifying the vehicles, right? Which is really the premium middle market fundamentally. Ultimately, the I feel like BYD is a cheaper offering in any yes. case, right? The cars, the the models that are that have been marketed here, it is much cheaper than a Tesla. Correct. And so I believe, yeah, like you said, it would attract those who who want to uh, electrify, but uh, the current uh, availability of the cars just are, isn't within the it's price just range. Within the price range, right? So someone, if I in my visual thinking, a Tesla is someone who is like T five, T three percent of the population. Like yourself, but, Philip. Well, perhaps, but the but the but what I think is interesting is that the BYD segment seems to be much larger, and that probably explains why they have they're probably going to be more dominant in this part of the region. Correct, but the whole idea is I think. BYD. It's only a matter of time when they start encroaching into the Tesla space in terms of the higher market model. Now, what we also must realise is that China holds a huge competitive advantage in terms of battery manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And they've been going around all over the world, you know, Africa, South America, Indonesia, to secure rights for all those critical minerals needed to produce those batteries. What I'm interested to see is whether we'll ever see a Southeast Asian champion here on EVs. And I think VinFast from Vietnam could give them a run for their money. And Southeast Asia has the ecosystem system, right, to also build the EV system with Malaysia, with our semiconductor, Indonesia with its raw materials, Thailand with its manufacturing capability. Can Southeast Asia, you know, give China a run for their money? That is such, a, it's like a challenge. You're throwing down the gauntlet to Southeast Asian players. Can you capitalize on the momentum of what's happening and make something happen? Uh, we'll just have to watch the space. Correct. And I'm hoping here in Malaysia, we'll start getting more affordable EV cars, maybe those in the sixty to 70000 price range. And, you know, we've got new that you know, Cherry is partnering with Inocom and Guangzhou Automotive Group is partnering with Tanchong to actually do CKD EV cars rather than the current CBU concept. In the meantime, I'll lend you my Volvo hybrid. <laughs> 9.48 a.m. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more stories from this week. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. 
9.49 a.m. You are listening to The Morning Run with Shazana, Philip, and Mark. This is WTF, or What's the Focus, our weekly recap show. So we are taking a look at a number of health-related headlines that have come out throughout the week. And I think these issues are going to be dominating the public discussion uh, for many weeks and months to come. Um, The health white paper was finally passed in the day one, right yet, after we've been talking about it for many months since last year. I think this was very eagerly anticipated. So it's finally passed in Parliament and it does detail the healthcare reforms that the government intends to embark on over the next 15 years. I mean, it is a very consequential paper. This has been talked about for a very, very long time, even pre-pandemic. I remember the previous Minister of Health, Carrie Jambaludin, was also pushing very hard for this healthcare white reform paper. It is extensive. Uh, I think it's about 43 pages. I'm sure there are thousands of slides that support that 43-page document. But now the question is, when are they going to convert all these you know, intentions into actions? I think people on the ground are really keen to see when will the rubber truly hit the road. Well, based on that paper, they have 15 years to do it, Philip. So it's a long mm. time coming for this mm. roadmap. And I don't dispute that it will take some time. Absolutely. Right? There will be quite a lot of investments required here. There is a lot of structural changes, systemic changes, mindset mm. changes that need to be made in order for a proper overhaul of the healthcare system to be done. Uh, we have issues with staffing. We have issues with infrastructure. We have issues with financing. You know, I think there's so much that needs to be teased out from this plan. I think, yeah, go yeah, ahead, so Mark. part of the uh, pillars of reform, I noticed was like, they're going to set up a national disease control centre. They're going to review the fees at all public hospitals and clinics, as well as providing incentives to promote a healthier lifestyle. So I think that's something hopefully they can implement rather quickly. I mean, if you look at the budget, I think that's a big consideration. If you recall last time, they always wanted to put some allocation to the budget, right? Like 3 to 5% of your total spend. So it is true that in Budget 2023, Health Ministry did get a second highest allocation after education at about $36.3 billion. But I'm sure the debate here is that that's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. And you know, whether there is going to be physical space to basically do all the necessary work basically tabled out in that reform paper. And I guess related to this whole healthcare debate that we're having, um, one of the things that came out this week was the fact that the control of smoking products for public health bill, that has been um, passed over to the Parliamentary Select Committee for further deliberation, which means that uh, it wasn't passed during this parliamentary sitting, which means that this vacuum of legal framework uh, regarding um, vape products specifically and nicotine vape products, that still remains. There is still a hole in there. Mm. Uh, These products are not regulated at the moment. And I think there's a clear... question, why is that the case? I mean, I think you you go and look at social media, many health professionals are very unhappy with this decision to basically refer to the public uh, accounts committee, and the PSC, the steering committee uh, led by Dr. Zulkifli Ahmad for this deal. Of course, you know, you're kind of kicking the can down the road and delaying the, the situation. Although I have to say, maybe perhaps they're trying to just recalibrate the process because in the past in New Zealand, they did go to a select committee first before going to parliament, but that I, didn't happen here. I did think, it? I mean, the process of the PSC scrutinizing it is fine but the point is the government also took the uh, action of removing nicotine from the Poisons Act yeah. which means that right now you have uh, products vape products with nicotine proliferating and there are no guardrails there are no guidelines there are no rules to govern that which is why the concern is that this will just uh, enslave a hu- generation of kids to nicotine vape products All right, and we already have incidents where children have been uh, infected or you know with nicotine poisoning because these vape devices do not have child safety mechanisms 
So you make a very interesting point, right, Shaz and Mark? Both of you feel like it's a really no-brainer that we should accelerate and move this forward. What is the pullback, right? Why are people just not accelerating this really core critical issue? Who are the opponents of this bill? I presume it's those who think about it in the industry, like the tobacco or the vape industry. or Is it the retailers who are also being able to get distribution margin from it? I wonder who are the opponents of this bill? And I wonder if, yeah, and, and what exactly they're opposing of the bill, yeah? Because I know that one of the controversial elements is, of course, the generational endgame, where uh, the selling of the sale of uh, tobacco products will be prohibited for people from a certain age. Yeah. Um, I, is that what's causing the reluctance? Is it the phasing, the implementation? I, I think a lot of questions that um, we can ask on this, and and these are some of the issues, along with mm. all of all the issues of the health white paper that we will definitely be covering moving forward. Yeah, because for me, it just speaks that if you just can't get this going, how much confidence can we have in you being able to execute the healthcare white reform paper then? Which is so much bigger, bigger broader reforms. Uh, something to keep an eye on. Uh, before we head off into the weekend, I did want to just remind everyone that if you didn't manage to catch the breakfast grill that we had yesterday with the Minister of Transport, Anthony Lok, you should check that out on the BFM app or at our website. Uh, Wong Xiaoning spoke to the Minister about a range of issues uh, covering transport policy and also politics. It is 9.55 in the morning. We're going to head into the 9.30 a.m. News Bulletin. That is all we have for WTF. Happy weekend, everyone. And uh, after the news, it's over to Enterprise. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.